0: You're listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally.
1: Hello, this is Brian Belsky, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Capital Markets. For the fifth consecutive week, we had the very good fortune of moderating BMO Financial Group's official COVID-19 weekly call with Dr. John White and three subject matter experts at BMO Financial Group. Dr. John White is a popular physician and writer who has been communicating to the public about health issues for nearly two decades. Dr. White is the Chief Medical Officer at WebMD. In this role, he leads an effort to develop and expand strategic partnerships that create meaningful change around important and timely public health issues. Prior to WebMD, Dr. White served as the Director of Professional Affairs and Stakeholder Engagement at the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research at the USFDA. He's also a practicing physician in both Maryland and In Washington, D.C., therefore, on the front lines with respect to defeating the COVID-19 virus. Here are Dr. White's comments for the week of April 13th. Globally, there's
2: 1.9 million cases of coronavirus with 120,000 deaths. In Canada, there are 25,000 700 cases with over 780 deaths. Now, I spoke last week, and I mentioned how um, Quebec had the highest number of cases, but Ontario had the highest number of deaths. That's changed a little. Um, So Quebec actually has nearly half of all cases of coronavirus, and it actually has now the most deaths, 12,846 confirmed cases and 360 deaths, whereas Ontario is 7,000 cases with 274 deaths. So Quebec and Ontario, as you would expect, based on their population, um, are where most of the cases and deaths are in Canada. In the United States, we have over 582,000 cases with over 23,000 deaths, but New York State alone has 10,000 deaths, so nearly half of all the deaths in the United States are in New York, and then New Jersey uh, is 2,400. So just a reference point, New York is 10,000, and then the next highest is New Jersey at 2,400, and that really drops down. Um, You know, I referenced the site healthdata.org as well as covidtracking.com. Most of those are indicating that we most likely have reached the peak in New York, as well as some other states. But the key is that different states are on different curves. So where I am in Virginia, it's not for another two weeks. And this is also a shift, whereas before, we were thinking for some other states other than New York, it might be May. And now they really have shifted all towards April. And at least in New York, even though there's still a large number of deaths, the rate of hospitalization uh, and the rate of new, cre- of new cases is decreasing. So that's a good sign. It's also the case in Canada as well. Uh, and Canada actually has developed a great website that they've innovated um, at Canada.ca where you can do this interactive map and look at the total number of cases, the total number of new cases, including the number of deaths in a 24-hour cycle. So they really have done a nice job as well, and they most likely have reached the peak uh, as well. I'm also going to send a map that will be relevant of where things are in the different counties in the United States and the different provinces and territories in Canada. And what you'll see is what you would expect that most of the cases are in population dense areas. The reason why this is important, when you see the middle of the countries with fewer cases, how is that going to impact reopening the respective countries, especially in the U.S., doing it in waves. And I'm going to come back to that. But I wanted to review a few things. I talked a little last week about the use of facial coverings in the United States as a recommendation, not facial masks. But I have to tell you, uh, the few times I've been at, and even on television, I've seen people have been wearing them wrong. So I'm going to send you a great infographic as to how to make your mask and covering and how to wear your covering. Because people have to remember it has to cover your nose and chin completely. Um, and you only use it once, and then you clean it. You wash your hands after taking it off. You don't touch your, your eyes and your nose. You don't wear it while you're in the house. Um, and you don't wear it while you're in the car uh, because you want to keep uh, the the facial mask clean. And it's also relevant as we think about that's not to give you a false sense of security. You still have to continue hand washing and physical distancing. And as as Brian mentioned on MD, where we get 80 million page views a month, but we've been getting three million page views a day just on coronavirus. And the biggest topic that people are searching, and maybe some of you have searched this as well, is how long does the virus live on surfaces? And I'm going to send an infographic about that as well. Because it comes up relating to the shipping boxes, where we believe that at the most it lives a day uh, on cardboard. Uh, it's a fragile virus. You know, we think it lasts just a few hours on paper. It lasts more on metal surfaces and stainless steel. That makes sense. It lasts more on glass. And even though I'll send you how long it lives on the surface, that doesn't mean it's infectious that long. But this will be a good guide for you to think about as you clean, which is with soap and water, and disinfect how you use products like Clorox, etc. So I wanted to include that. But again, even the CD, C Director yesterday said he believes we're reaching our peak. And you may have seen in the United States that the governors on the East and the West Coast are talking about forming regional PACs to work jointly on how to reopen from the stay-at-home orders. And that's what I think you're going to start seeing, that we're going to see certain regions start to open up with some uh, mitigation efforts that are gonna remain in place, but how do we start allowing the economy to come And one of the biggest areas of discussion, and I've mentioned it before, has been around antibody testing. Um, but the challenge with antibody testing, these are point of care testing that are authorized rather than approved by the FDA, so they have a lower standard uh, to meet in terms of diagnostic accuracy, They're qualitative tests. They tell you whether or not you have any antibodies, but we can't necessarily confuse with the presence of antibodies means protection. That's what we think, but we don't know that yet. Um, And there's been talk about we'd issue these certificates of immunity that could allow people to go back to work. Dr. Fauci has talked about that. I'm not sure we're going to go there because I'm not sure yet if our information is reliable and we're going to have to do much more work on that and we're going to have to talk about capacity. Mm-hmm. I told you there were, you know, over, you know, two and a half million tests done in the United States on the diagnostic. That's still pretty low overall. So how are we going to ratchet up our antibody testing? That's what you're going to hear more and more about in the next few days and few weeks as an effort to get back to work. And we're going to have to look at the data. In terms of how accurate are these tests, the reality is we'd really want to do a quantitative test, do a blood draw, and actually see what type of antibodies you have and how many. But is that practical? I don't know. But the the discussion is really going to focus now onto how do we open up our respective countries. I want to talk a little about, quickly, about drugs. You've heard a lot about hydroxychloroquine in the past, but don't forget There's been a lot of discussion about remdesivir, which was originally designed for Ebola. And that's been in the news um, recently, just yesterday, about some data about patients being able to come off the ventilator. 80% of patients that get on a ventilator do not survive. just want to point that out. So that could be... encouraging, there was no control group, as most of these don't have. Um, Northwell Health in New York is actually testing another uh, arthritis drug called Kevzera, um, which is about reducing inflammation. So there's a lot of encouraging data other than just hydroxychloroquine in terms of where we are in treatments. We talked a little bit about convalescent plasma last week. That is labor-intensive. Uh, there's not a lot of funding, a big chance of anaphylaxis uh, or a severe allergic reaction, but that's being looked into as well. In terms of, you know, we always like to end with, you know, is there some optimism that we can bring? And what I would say is, as I've said all along, we really have seen that social distancing, uh, physical distancing, and other strategies are working. We most likely have our peak in many regions in North America. It doesn't mean every particular county and town or province, but the reality is many of those have reached a peak, and that's an important point because now we're going to talk about how do we modify our mitigation strategies. We're going to shift more to antibody testing, and this is, you know, a opportunity for us all to talk about immunology and, and, and learn, but we have to do it right and we really need to push for that. And at the same time, we need to continue diagnostic testing. And we're going to hear about that, but what we're going to be more selective is who do we need to quarantine? Maybe we'll use um, Have there been some missteps along the way? But we're learning from it. We need to focus on, you know, what's in the future. And then we have more than one strategy for treatment. There's some data that talks about, there are 70 drugs under different phases of clinical trials, some much further along than others. So it's not about putting all of our eggs in any one basket. So are we starting to see light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, this is probably the the first call that I'm starting to feel um, more like we're, we're getting to that point where we're gonna have to continue to recognize that this is a serious illness, and there are deaths, but how do we also continue mitigation strategies while opening up the economy, getting people back to work into some sense of normalcy, because we also know there are a lot of social determinants of health that also impact one's health. And we have to be concerned that people aren't getting treatment for other health conditions, which can have a significant impact their life and mortality.
1: In summary, here are the main points from Dr. White's comments. Number one, globally there are 1.9 million cases of COVID-19 and 120,000 deaths. In Canada, there are 25,000 thousand cases and 780 deaths, with nearly half the cases and deaths located in Quebec. In the U.S., there are 582,000 cases and over 23,000 deaths. Over 10,000 deaths are from the state of New York alone, and New Jersey has the second largest number of deaths at around 2,400. Point number two, although states are all on different curves, the peak has likely been reached in New York and many parts of North America for that matter. Also, the rate of hospitalization and increase in deaths have decreased, which is a positive. Point number three, there have been many discussions on when the economy can start opening up. Regional PACs with some mitigation efforts in place are most likely to be formed at this point, especially when you're seeing what's happening in the states on both the West Coast and the East Coast, allowing the economy to gradually come back. Point number four in terms of testing. Antibody testing via point of care is still most widely discussed. As mentioned last week during his call, testing methods have been authorized by the FDA but not approved, so the threshold for quality is lower. In addition, the presence of an antibody does not necessarily mean you're immune, therefore additional data needs to be collected. In terms of treatment, remdesivir, which is used to treat Ebola is most discussed as there have been data points that some patients were able to come off ventilators using this drug. Other potential treatment plans include an arthritis drug in convalescent plasma, among others. In closing, we are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, according to Dr. White. Physical social distancing is working. The peak has been reached in many parts of North America, and there are a number of treatment strategies that are being tested in parallel, which sheds optimism at this current juncture. Thank you so much for joining us. Be safe
0: and stay well. Thanks for listening to Intune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to InTune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public disclosure.